Welcome to Growing Through Grief. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. Growing Through Grief is a weekly sprinkle of education and inspiration to help you take action that leads to personal freedom and greatness. I share powerful conversations with grief experts, spiritual advisors, and other courageous souls in this transformational podcast. I believe with the right support and the power of community, you can eliminate unnecessary prolonged grief. I'm here to teach you how to normalize, recognize, and use grief as a growth tool. I've been a champion for growth for decades since the loss of my mother. Together, we are growing. I'll give you weekly tips and small steps that will move the needle forward so that you are experiencing a healthy inner relationship with yourself. Let's get started. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Growing Through Grief podcast. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. In this episode, I'm speaking to another beautiful soul, a beautiful soul who does powerful, valuable work around the world. Her life went from being suicidal to a life strategist. She's also an anti-depression expert, and she will be sharing with you a little bit about her secret map to overcoming depression. Need I also say that she is a psychologist. So I am excited to introduce to you, my audience, to share with you, Anna Lanier. Hi, Anna. Thank you for inviting me, Anna. Thank you. You are so welcome. I am excited, I'm grateful for so many reasons. And I'll start with the conversation you and I had before we started this conversation. The live podcast is this such a perfect conversation for this time because of things that are happening in the world right now. And specifically, because you and I are in the U.S., specifically around depression, suicide, and the struggles that our young people are going through. And I know in a conversation that you and I had, even though you're a psychologist, you love, love working with younger people. So it's my hope that we can get into maybe sharing your expertise, your experience as it relates to young people and the childhood experiences they continue to carry in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls that are leading to horrific, horrific incidents. So with that, Anna, I'll let you start where you would like to start. It's very interesting, you know, because your podcast is about going through grief, right? So before we started, uh, you had a, a very small meditation to whatever, whatever comes in, right? And whatever people need to hear from us today. And it's very interesting as it came in my mother's death, who was an alcoholic. I lost her for depression. She died overnight in a hospital by herself. By the time we got there, she was already dead. 
And it's very interesting as I ended up thanking her for dying just before we started the show, because without her dying and showing me that just because she can't overcome depression, she can't overcome her alcoholism, that doesn't mean that I cannot. Without that moment of my life, I would have not done what I have accomplished today. Yes. Now, some might hear the comment about thanking mother for dying and think, wow, that's really odd. So I know you're going to share later about the lessons that we get when there's a heartbreak, when there's a loss. Now, before we go there, I love that you reminded the audience about the importance of getting grounded being intentional about what you are doing from one moment to the next. And I share that because we didn't just get on this podcast with the intention to just start talking. It's our goal to share with the audience some helpful things that can help them move forward in their life if they're dealing with anxiety, suicide, depression. And thirdly, you and I have this commonality that nobody wants of losing our mother. And I too got tons of lessons, tons of lessons. I got it later in life, but now that I have those, it's my mission to help every woman who is ready to do her work, to help her do the work. So thank you. I just want to recap what you just shared. I thought to what I just shared. Yes, it's through death or through life, we're getting lessons all of the time. All of the time. So, a lot of times, yes, we're hurt when we're losing somebody, especially a child, for example, right? It's very, very painful, right? But maybe the lesson is not even for us. Maybe the lesson is for somebody that knows, somebody that hears, somebody that, you know, uh, contacted one of us, the dead or the alive one, at some point in life, right? Maybe the lesson is not acknowledged immediately. Maybe it's acknowledged after 12 years, after 15 years, right? But there are always, always lessons we get in life or in death. We just have to be open-minded to it. And yes, there is growth. There is growth. Maybe it's, you know, at the beginning, it's, it's harder. It's harder to grow through grief, right? At the beginning. But once you step out of it and you see the bigger picture, it is growth and expansion. Yeah. I've, I have this motto, this saying, I haven't heard anybody else say, so I'm going to claim it, that growth never stops growing. Neither should you. So the lessons, I recall you sharing with me earlier that I believe your mom transitioned when you were 16? No, when I was 26. 26, when you were 26. Yes. And you went from being suicidal to a life strategist. Yes. It Did took a while. Happen? <laughs> it Did that a while. shift happen after mom transitioned? 12 years after. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the way it happened is at the age of 38, so 12 years after my mom died, I was a single mom with a nine-year-old home kid, 
And I was diagnosed with the same disease. My mom died from overnight. And we all thought it has to do with the alcohol, but I was not drinking. So it did not have to do only with the alcohol, right? Probably the alcohol had a part of it, a piece of it, but it did not. So as I was diagnosed with the same disease, my mom died overnight at the age of 38 this time. And my mom died overnight at the age of 55. I said, what if I die overnight now? What if it doesn't last until I'm 55? What's going to happen to my child? My child is only nine. I was 26 when my mom died, but my kid is only nine. What if I don't make it for another 17 years? And this brought me to my knees. I remember sitting at the table and I was extremely good at math for all my life. And I couldn't subtract 55 minus 38, the age when my mom died, to the age I had. Is it seven? Is it 17? Is it 27? How many years I have to live? But the doctor said it's the same disease. So it can be one day. That was my lesson. That I have to look up into my soul that is hurt. And I have to find ways to fix it. Mm. Or I will leave my child an orphan. Yeah. Wow. So doing the 12-year process of creating, I'm just going to say, a blueprint for your soul. For your soul to heal. What did that look like? It was a blueprint for my soul to suffer for that 12 years. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 38, when this happened, and this was my, you call call it awakening moment, my shaking moment, my aha moment, whatever you want to call it, right? I realized that all I played until the age of 38 was the game of suffering. I didn't know anything about living. Mm -hmm. All I knew is the game of suffering that I copy-pasted from my mom's life. I copy-pasted from my mother's life. There were similarities between me and her life, except that for me, even without alcohol, which I thought that I won the universe gate of knowledge just because I wasn't drinking, right? It, it, It didn't matter. I was at the same point. I was at the same hurt. I was at the same crossing in life where I had to make decisions. So at that age, at the age of 38, after suffering from depression for 27 years of my life, I realized that I have to make a change. And the change occurred in seven months. I tell people today all the time, the easiest thing in the world is to overcome depression. The hardest thing in the world is everything you already suffered, right? Already, you, or you already suffered, you already took the hardest on your shoulders. Get out of it. It's just a a matter of making the decision and a matter of getting the right guidance. But you can do it. Anyone who's struggling with depression, you said the easiest thing to do is to overcome the depression. The hardest thing to do is to suffer from it. To suffer. For everybody that has already suffered from it, they already did the hardest thing. Yeah. So in the process of what you classify as easy and overcoming the depression, you're really deconstructing 
the sufferer who is, yes. in this instance, we're talking about Anna. Yes. So if you deconstruct the sufferer, exactly, there will be no suffering. <laughs> exactly. And instead of playing the same game of suffering that you have played by now, we relearn a game of living, a game of life. Because most of us that have been through that, you know, darkest moments, like I have been a suicidal and, you know, depressed for so many years and all kinds of illnesses, pre-NASH, pre-diabetes, um, two hernias of disc, S-shaped scoliosis since the age of 12, insomnias for two years of my life, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, migraines, headaches, all, everything that a child should not have to bring into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Everything, right? For us, we don't even know how life looks like, how happiness looks like. If we deserve to be happy, if we're enough to be happy, we have no clue what's on the other side. All we know is pain. All we know is pain. This is why it was so important at that moment in time when I acknowledge that I'm repeating everything my mom did, including dying, if I don't make a different decision. Yes. So for someone who is in a state of being, state of mind, that all they know is pain, what are two, three tips you could give them. That's easy, that's repetitive, that they can do without just, you know, easy steps to overcoming the depression, right? Yes. So the first thing, acknowledge that everything you have played by now is a game of suffering. Just acknowledge it. Man, that's all I knew. That's all I played. I did my best. I, I just don't know how to get out of it. Right. But I did my best, okay? I, I survived. Step two would be, I don't want to survive anymore. I want to try. I want to live one week happy before I die. This is how I went to my mentors and I asked them, I want to live one week happy before I die. And they're how old are you? I'm 38. How old are you? I'm 38. How old are you? Right? It's like, you're talking like an 83-year-old woman. Yeah. You want to, like, listen, I want to live one week happy before I die. I want to show my kid that it's possible. Like, relax, woman. Just follow what we're saying and you're going to live a lot more longer, happier. It's been over 70 years now. <laughs> okay. And everybody says you're the happiest person we ever met. You do realize I'm a depression coach. I mean, this is pathetic. <laughs> but, you know, this is how it is, right? So here, the second step is you did your best, but you decide to make a change. You don't know where it's going to lead you. You don't know how long it's going to take. But you decide on a different path. And third, get the right guidance. And why should you get the right guidance? Because if you don't have the right formula, then if you don't have the right formula, you're going to fail. Every time you fail, you're going to think that it's impossible and it's going to be harder to restart. You need the right formula because you're not failing. You're failing on yourself by quitting to restart, right? right? So here you have already, you know, lost yourself every day while you were in suffering. You already lost yourself every single day. Now you have to refine yourself, open your mind to a direction where, listen, I can do it, but I need somebody to just cross me over that bridge. I don't even see the bridge. I don't even see where it leads, but I need some guidance, right? 
So when people come to me and they get the right guidance, I don't tell them I'll get you out of depression. No, I'm teaching you how to get yourself out. So you will never slip in. So you will never end up in this dark place of hell on earth. Right? So So that's important. Yeah, that's important because next time when you're going to have a moment of crises, of challenges, because you never know what's happening in life, right? You are thinking is like, okay, now I understand a lot of things, but I still don't want to go in that dark place. I'm going to grieve for a while, but I'm not going to get depressed. Big difference. Big difference, right? In losing your life to something that is suffering or to living your life and growing. It's important for people to hear what you said about you. I don't think you said it exactly this way, but it's important for everyone who's listening to know this is your work to do. It's you. It's 100 percent your responsibility to do your work. We, me, you, we are the guys. We are the vessels that will be supporting you and holding your hand and guiding you through the process. But you have to do the work because you know more about your pain and what you are experiencing than we will ever know. So the three steps, you're in pain and all you know is pain. You're stuck in the pain. That's all you can think about. That's all you feel. That's all you talk about. The three steps is number one, to acknowledge that the game you've been playing is one of suffering. Number two is a desire to live a different life, decide to make a change, but don't make the change. Don't try, don't attempt to make that change alone. Find someone who you trust, who you respect, who see, who care, and can nurture and nourish you back to a place of love, right? Not just anyone. And I would like to add a fourth one, Finding an expert to support you is beautiful. But I also believe that community is so, so very important. Having a community to witness your pain, to be with it, to hold you emotionally as you are experiencing it, which is, as a psychologist, you already know this, one of the greatest trauma that all of us I think it's safe for me to say all of us have experienced is childhood trauma of not having the parental mirroring, you know, showing us, mirroring back to us who we are through and allow us to have those feelings, those emotions and express what we need to. That is, I believe, one of the greatest trauma that no matter how much our parents tried, some of us didn't have the parents, but no matter how hard they tried, they were not able to fulfill all of our needs. So the childhood trauma, those are the things we're carrying around in our body, in our psyche right now today. What do you say about that? Are you feeling invisible? Are you sliding through life feeling hopeless? and wishing someone will come along and save you? Is it time to stop wishing and time to get busy living life, creating what you desire, living a victorious life of fulfillment in a community with other compassionate hearts, healing, growing, transforming into your greatest potential? 
Sign up now for the next course, Growing Through Grief System, a holistic and compassionate approach to limitless growth and healing. Visit www.coachingtotheheart.org to learn more. Celebrate yourself, your life, and your legacy. We are growth seekers, mastering the game of life and creating a different reality beyond grief and loss. And what you mentioned about the community, we have to understand that you attract who you are. So in this journey of moving from a game of suffering to a game of life, you will have to change communities. Yeah. Okay, and not that doesn't mean you abandon your people or your family or anything like that, but they clearly not going to grow with you at the same rhythm as you're growing. They can follow you after that. And many people have followed me only because they saw me happy, they saw me engaged, they saw me what I'm talking about. It's like we have no clue what we're signing up for, we just want to follow you right? It looks like you're going to bring us to light, right? So here is you might have to change communities. You might have to maybe for a short period of time, be with yourself for the healing process, be without, you know, telling people what you're doing and why you're doing it, because it's your process, it's your healing, and you don't need anybody advice for it. You just need the guidance, the right guidance, but you can do it, right? So at some point, don't be afraid of being, for a short period of time, a little bit isolated from one community until you find the other. Don't be afraid of it because that is your journey and you attract who you are. And as you're changing through this journey, you're going to attract different and different communities. And it's shocking how many different other types of communities I attract now compared to the groups where everybody's depressed on Facebook. You see, that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, 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 love being in community. I spent most of my life, I believe, with people, it's definitely family, but with other people who I was not truly connected to. So now being able to create a community of like-minded women who are doing their work, who understand that it's their work, who understand that their pain is their pain, who understand their triggers are their triggers. I might bring that up in them, but it was there before they met me. So I love being in communities where we're just working through it as opposed to the shame and the blaming and the guilt which takes me to my next question. You talked about acknowledging and looking at that pain and taking responsibility for the pain, but you also talked about in an earlier conversation with me how important it is to look at the blame, the shame, and the guilt. Yes. Yes. So we live into a copy-paste world. And um, generationally speaking, depression is a generational condition. So it happened to my mother. It happened to me. I almost got my kid in depression, okay, because I was hurt. And automatically, the children want to save their parents from depression. So they get hurt. They get trapped, right, into the same net because they are really trying to, to get them out. 
And it's very, very important to acknowledge that when we're doing this copy-pasting generations, we are bringing with us in the adult life what we call chaos, childhood automated operating system. And this is based on blame, shame, and guilt. And these three things, until you don't resolve them, it will take you down three huge anchors that will anchor you to the bottom of the ocean until you drown. Very simple. Or you work through it with guidance and you cut them all up and you see how you can easily surf over the ocean without them. But depression is considered a lot of times a mental illness, it's considered a genetic condition. And I tell people all the time, no, it's just deep, heavy, and unresolved emotional wounding, and it's generational. And at each generation, you can make it stop. I decided to stop it. Mm -hmm. It's been enough. I suffered for 27 years of my life. I'm not going to put my kid in depression. I'm not going to ruin my life more. I'm not going to ruin my body under the weight of these emotional wounds and pain and suffering. I don't have to carry the sky on my shoulders because the sky sits there by itself. Thank you, God. Okay? So I don't have to carry that on my shoulders. Right? So things like this that you need to acknowledge the fact that I will not bring anything that has to do with pain, shame, blame, and guilt into my life right now, or if I already have done this, I'm ready to cut it. I'm ready with the right guidance to let it go. It does not serve me anymore. It, I suffered enough. I'm sick and tired, being sick and tired, and it's time for it to end. And this is very, very important because you cannot bring shame, blame, and guilt into a new life of yours. No, there you're responsible for the way you feel, not only for your actions. So nobody can actually hurt you, right? The way I feel is my responsibility. And we talk all the time about how triggers are an opportunity for growth, how failure is only feedback of what doesn't work, right? So there you're learning new lessons, new secrets of living, yeah. not of dying every day. Let's go back to the childhood operating system. Did I get that right? Childhood automatic operating system. Chaos. Childhood automatic, automatic operating system. Chaos. Got it. Okay. So you mentioned generation of the copy and the paste. It's just happening from one generation to the next, right? Yes. So when we talk about shame and blame and guilt, just that statement alone, the copy, the paste, the generation of who are we blaming? Because it started at the greatest grandparent on yes. the mother and the father's side. So who are we blaming, first of all? How do you trace that back? Almost impossible. So fast forward, we're in the present. Likely, in all likelihood, we'll blaming our parents, right? But then they got it from their parents on and on. I love that you said you will no longer carry that stuff into the next generation. I have three uh, grandsons 
And I have two daughters who don't have babies yet. And I've shared with them how important it is to let's clean up some of this generational stuff so that, and you can do this alongside mom because I love cleaning up my stuff. I know it's there and I love cleaning it up. So do it alongside mom. As I heal, people around me heal. As my children heal, then their children will not bring in the same stuff. So rather than the blaming and the shaming and the guilt, let's just do this game of life as opposed to game of suffering together. And believe it or not, we can have a little fun with it. We really can. It hurts, but we can have a little fun with this. So it hurts once you let them go because you consider these anchors of pain your identity. That's not you. That's generational pain, hurt, trauma. What you copy pasted because you didn't know any better. That's not even yours. You are at the other side of it. At the other side of your potential, which you couldn't unlock because of so much pain, right? It, everybody in depression, every parent that comes to me with a child depressed, suicidal, all that, they all know them and their child have a tremendous potential. If they could just reach it, if they could just break that wall of pain and they could reach their potential, they could grab it and become what they couldn't even imagine they could become, right? So here, who do we blame? A lot of times people in depression and all of the kids that you see today, angry at their parents, disrespectful of their parents. So yes, they blame the parents. And then I said, okay, but did your parents knew what I'm teaching you about this game of life, about how to master relationship, how to master emotional balance, about these mindset traps you shouldn't get yourself into? Oh, no, they never knew this. Well, what do you blame for? For not knowing? Now you do. Right. Right. Okay. So here is, yes, do you feel, do I feel guilty today that my mom had to die for me to get it? Yeah, you bet I feel guilty today. If I would have known what I know today, I would have get her out of depression. I would have never let her be an alcoholic, right? I would have saved her the right way, not the way that I tried by slipping myself in depression, right? Yeah, I feel guilty about it. What can I do about it? It was a good wake-up moment. I accomplished more than her. Every person that I help today, I give thanks to my mom. Mom, thank you. Thank you for helping this woman. Thank you for helping this child. Because without you, I would have never got it. Yeah. Sometimes we have to have these awakening moments, these hardships for us to, to, to realize that We have to make changes in our life. We can reach our true potential. We can be better. Just because somebody was not able to do it doesn't matter that you cannot. And if somebody was able to do it, that means you can too, right? So little things like that, that if you get them into the right mindset, the children will never slip in depression. If there is no more emotional pain, the children will never end up heartbroken. Yes, they will grieve after the death of somebody, but they will not end up depressed. Big difference because they're going to continue to grow, not stagnate or go backwards, right? So, yes, we do use this automatic chaos system all of the time. And maybe this is why depression is here to save us. I'm sorry to tell you, Diana, maybe that's why, because we need to let go of what doesn't serve us. 
And the universe wants us to grow and expand, not to die every day. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also important to say, you said never slip back, never, never. It's important to say, if a person should slip back, remember your tools. You have the tools. You know what to do to slip right back out of that thing, right? Exactly. And sometimes it's a comfort zone. It's like, ah, oh, sleeping back a little bit, you know, it's like I'm back into my old age. Okay, don't stay there too long. But now you're responsible for slipping back. Okay, you're responsible to put yourself out. You don't need any more guidance because once you had one type guidance, you know what to do, right? So I have people, it's like, when I feel depressed in three days, I'm just sitting like, cut it to one hour. Okay, cut it to one hour of depression. And get in a dress, red dress, and get sexy out there and go and put some music on and dance in the middle of a shopping center. Okay? In the middle of a grocery store, go dance. And everybody's like, oh my God, that felt so good. Everybody was looking at me. I'm like, I know. Cut it to where you don't need to be in pain anymore. You need to attract others towards your happiness. So let's shift the conversation a little bit. When we first met, you unknowingly shared with me your educational, your professional background as a psychologist. And as we went on with the conversation, you reminded me so much of my teacher, who is a medical doctor. And he reminds us often that medical doctors are not trained to address the inner pain, the heart issues. They treat the symptoms and no malice intent, but some of them are drug doctors. Yes. And as you explained to me that you didn't use any of your training as a psychologist to move forward, to move through and out of the suicidal, depressive modes. If you're relying on your medical doctor, drugs, again, drugs are needed in a lot of cases. I'm not saying get off your drugs. That is not what I'm saying. I'm sharing, we are sharing a different perspective on the medical community as it relates to anxiety, suicide, depression, et cetera. And most of my clients are nurses. Most of my clients have come to me with kids suicidal. They all did in front of them as nurses. Thank God this happened in front of them and they knew how to save them. Okay. So here is, they have a job to do. Okay. They have their own job to do. When you say I'm depressed, considering the following, I feel deep pressure in my heart. Mm I need to depressurize it to move on, right? So when I say I'm depressed, I'm not saying I'm mentally ill, okay? When I say my kids are the kids that I help are depressed, that doesn't mean they're mentally ill. They mean they have feel deep pressure. And that pressure needs to be depressurized. I, you know, I finished two universities at the same time. All my clients are very educated. They, they would be mentally ill. They couldn't do what they're doing today. Okay, they couldn't have a job, they couldn't have PhDs, they couldn't have, you know, bachelor degrees, they couldn't do that, right? 
So here we're looking it deeper at the cause. And maybe the cause is chaos that we talked about. The childhood automated operating system. Good. Mm-hmm. Let's depressurize that. Mm-hmm. Let's so change. It's all, it's all about that emotional stuffing, right? Where they're stuffing and pushing down their emotions. And that's where, as you said, the pressure is coming on. It's just coming and it, eventually it explodes. Now, I do understand, I've heard experts say there is a part of the brain, there's brain activity that can cause a more clinical, severe form of depression, even at, you know, very young age. So I wanted to share that, that it, I, yes, because if you remember something from your childhood since you were second grade or fifth grade or seventh grade or something like this, it was something connected to a specific emotional feeling. Mm-hmm. Memory has always been connected to something that you feel. Now, if you feel bad all of the time, this will imprint in your brain. I'm sorry to tell you. We're all made of water, okay? An emotion imprint on water. Okay, on our organs. This is why we get sick. Okay, because of the emotional pain, it's imprinted on our organs, right? So here is yes, when you feel so bad, like I felt for 27 years of my life, I ended up with all those diseases I mentioned. Guess what? I have none now, none of the health problems I ever had at 38. This is how you, when you depressurize it, it doesn't imprint anymore on your physical body or on your brain. It changes things. Yeah, yeah. Wow, time is moving really, really quickly here. But before we end, I do have one other question. You shared with me that your 14-year-old son used to be depressed, angry, a little disobedient, has some anxiety, and he was going through puberty. And I I think I was just very naive when I was going through puberty. I didn't know, but I don't wish puberty on anyone, but that's the stage we have to go through, right? Share with the audience a little bit about how you supported your son and how the parents of right now, what, seven days ago, yesterday, 18-year-olds are killing, shooting, individuals. That's not normal. We know that. What would you say to those parents about the whole situation? What did they see prior to these two incidents happening, first of all, in terms of the anxiety, the depression, the anger? Yes. So uh, the way I supported my son is the same way that I support right now parents with their children that they're going through a misdirection in life, because this is how I call it. It's a misdirection in life from a teenager that doesn't know where to go. It doesn't know how to go. Um, it doesn't have the right tools. And yeah, it ends up blaming the parent, going back to the blame thing, all right? But here is sometimes we ignore it. We don't understand how the teenager feels, okay? Why do we not understand? Because why, why would they feel pain? They have everything they need. Well, yeah, if everything you need has nothing to do with your emotional pain, right? And then all these things that you mentioned, like anger, like uh, anxiety, like disobedience, disrespect, 
withdrawn, always are cries for help. The child doesn't know how to cry for help in any other way. They're crying for help. Help me, help me, help me. And the parents are like, I don't know how. And I talk about all the time about how to build amazing family relationships because once the child trusts you, once you understand the child, these kind of cries for help and for attention and look how, how I am hurt and I want to kill everybody else around me won't happen. So what I heard you say is parents seek to understand the child. No longer feed them with the material stuff, getting them this and that. Their heart is breaking. The anger is, a, they're crying out for help. But in addition to seeking to understand your child, seek to understand yourself because that child is mirroring back to you some of and your stuff. Tells you, tells you what you haven't fixed in your life. Yeah. My depression was only telling my mother that, you you know, you didn't fix your problems. That's why you became an alcoholic. Why do you think you became an alcoholic? Because you're happy, right? So, but she didn't know how to help me anyway. She still didn't have a secret map to overcome depression for herself. Otherwise, she would have taken that and then she would have applied it to me and I would have never been in the situation, right? Yeah. But here is, sometimes we don't acknowledge the children are hurt because we don't want to look down into our heart because we ignored our pain and now it's bubbling up like a volcano, okay? And if you go back to people like they kill others, they're angry at others and things like that, you go back, there is a lot of anger in that family that bubbled up, a lot of it, okay? A lot of depressive episodes, a lot of uh, emotional wounding that hasn't been resolved. And... It has passions on all of us. Yes. It takes you back to the generation of stuff we talked about probably 30 minutes ago. So I'm afraid we are at the end here. So I'm going to try to recap very quickly here. The number one, your three-step approach to addressing the pain. And that was the acknowledgement, uh, looking at where you're blaming, shaming, and guilt, and also embracing the lessons, although you may not be able to see them, they're not so obvious, look for the lessons and everything. And then as it relates to the children, parents, as you heal, your children will heal too. As you heal, everybody around you will heal or they will fall off or they will fall off. So look at it from all perspectives, not just blame the child and dump the child into therapy. Hmm, you may do it separately, but parents join in, join in. As I said earlier, you can have a little fun with it. So Anna, in about 20 seconds, tell the listeners what you're up to. You will have, you will definitely be listed. All your resources will be in the show notes. So people will know how to reach you. But if there's one thing that you're working on right now that you would like for the listeners to know, Tell them in about 20 seconds. We want to open an entire academy about um, true secrets of life. Okay. We want to uh, think about having our own radio station, uh, our own radio show. Um, we're thinking about big things just to raise awareness. Uh, and as podcasters like you do, 
please make sure that you raise awareness. People don't have to kill themselves. They don't have to end up depressed. They can get the resources they need to prevent this from ever happening. Um, they can do that. And we have actually a web, uh, website called Better Ask Anna, A-N-A with one N.com, where all those resources are there for free. So on uh, Better Ask Anna with one N.com, A-N-A.com, you find a bunch of resources and courses for teenagers and for adults for free. So people will not have excuses anymore why they don't want to come out of pain. They will have choices. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes to this conversation. We hit on quite a bit and listeners, you probably would need to rewind and listen to this over and over because some of the tools and nuggets that were dropped, you may have missed it the first time. So don't hesitate to rewind and listen again. So I leave you with my quote, growth never stops growing and neither should you. Thank you for listening. I'll see you same time next week. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.